Hey friends, welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us and check out our episode. Um, this is a space where we post our, our Sunday sermons and occasionally we have discussions and conversations regarding life in this community and following Jesus. So thank you for listening and please engage us on our website axiomchurchaz.com or on any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. Christ be with you. Thank you. Welcome again to Axiom Church. I just want to be another voice reminding you that our desire would be that you would experience Jesus today. And that doesn't mean that we think that this is the only place you can experience Christ. This is really the sort of screen door uh, or the appetizer or however you want to look at it first base. But like life is where Jesus wants to experience you in, and that's where you want to experience Jesus in, not just on Sunday mornings. But we hope that you would get a foretaste uh, here today as we turn in worship and as we turn to the scriptures and as we turn in peace to one another and as we turn in fellowship. In all these spaces, might we begin to experience the person and presence of Jesus in our lives. Um, yeah, so that's my prayer is that it would get from here into there, uh, wherever you find yourselves. So we are going to be uh, talking today uh, and going through Acts chapter 7, finishing up parts of chapter 7. We'll totally get there, but almost. And spoiler alert, we are going to talk about idols. We're going to talk about idols. We're going to talk about Jesus. And we're going to talk about the patterns of our ancestors, because that's what Stephen is speaking to as he is concluding his response to the Sanhedrin. Uh, and, and, but here's what's happening is Stephen has been, up until this point, he's been making a case in defending uh, his position, right? Because he's been accused of some stuff, and he's responding to them appropriately in defense of Jesus. But now he's beginning to shift and move towards the offense, and as he closes his argument with him. And so just as a little recap, in case you weren't here the last two weeks that we've been in this section of Acts, Eric spoke to us uh, two weeks ago and preached on this idea of the story that Israel's story needs to be understood in light of Jesus' story, that we need to understand our story in light of Jesus' story, because he came to get into that, to, to change the narrative, to shift the script, and we all have a script. Each of you are living in a script of some kind. The question is, whose is it? Who's writing that script? Who's picking and choosing where it goes? And our opportunity as followers of Christ is to get into the kingdom of God and to live out the way of Jesus. And, and Jesus thankfully shows us, because he comes down and shows us how to do that. And then the, the week after that, we looked at how Moses and Abraham and Joseph, that each of them are like Jesus and Jesus is like them and that we've seen Jesus' story at play all along, working in the midst of these people. There he was and here he still is. But will Israel, will the Sanhedrin, will the audience in this room today respond to the presence of Jesus, or will we reject it? Will we receive the Holy Spirit, or will we resist it? That's the sort of play-by-play play of what Stephen is working us through in defense of Christ. 
but now in offense. And so I want to read Acts chapter 7, verse 35 through 53. It's a lengthy section of the text. And so as Denise encourages earlier, feel free to let it just kind of wash over you and listen. Or you can follow along in your own Bible or on the screen here as well. But chapter 7, verse 35 is where we are picking it up. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. And there it is again. Jesus is like Moses. Moses is like Jesus. Moses is foreshadowing Christ. And, and the opportunity to the Israelites is foreshadowed to us. How will we respond? He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. Verse 39, But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. And again, see the story, the script. Is it one of trusting in God and what God is providing? Or is it one of holding on to the previous? Holding on to the earlier hopes that were misguided and misled. And where do we land in this? And they brought their sacrifices to it and revealed in what their own, in, in, and reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to worship of the sun, the moon, and the stars. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. And again, I, just, I keep pausing to help us see here that the Israelite people are living a story. They're living in a narrative, just like you and I are living in a story and living in a narrative. And in this story that they're living, they're choosing to, instead of go, go up the mountain and meet with God or to receive what God brings down from the mountain to them, they're choosing to instead give their attention or worship to something that they have made with their own hands. They put their trust in some physicality, some object of affection, instead of putting their trust in what God has provided them. And this is what God's been doing all along, not just in Jesus, but even before, bringing us to this place where we get to choose something much more than what we have settled for. Israel struggled with this, and they keep rejecting. They keep rejecting. So, so he picks up the prophets. says, this agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings? Forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have taken up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Rephon, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. 
who remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. Stephen is drawing their attention again to something. That, that, that God isn't going to settle for our best. The things that we do with our hands. Why should we? And yet we do. The Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? And of course, this is referencing back to verse 41. They reveled in what their own hands had made. Or where will, or, or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but you have not obeyed it. So, so to summarize, Stephen finishes his response with these condemning words. He approaches them with striking uh, verbiage here. God doesn't live in houses made by human hands. Guys, listen. We can't settle for a system or a worldview where the answer or solution is in something that we've created. We can't do that. But for some reason... We keep doing it. Your hearts and your ears have become, are, are, are still uncircumcised. You're, you're unable to see and to perceive and to understand what God's offered you. What he's given you is found outside the realm of the physicality alone. It's that plus. It's so much more than that. The only reason they would murder Jesus is if they thought he was just human. But see, they missed it. God and Jesus was so much more than that. But they keep wanting the tangible, the physical. And he says, you're just, you're just like your ancestors. You, you, just like they rejected, you're rejecting. Just like they wouldn't receive, you're not receiving. Just like they resisted, we're resisting what God is offering to you. And God is offering his best, which is far better than whatever it is that you've reveled in with your own hands. So much greater than those things. Now, this issue of stiff-neckedness and, 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 and the hearts and ears, uh, this or uncircumcised hearts and ears, uh, just like your ancestors, we, we need to kind of pick this up for a moment because Stephen here 
is helping us see a phenomenon that's, that's real, that, that we, we tend to live in the story of our ancestors, whether we realize it or not. We tend to uh, swim down that stream alongside them, and, and, and he's telling us that there's another stream to be in. There's another world to be in. And, and we kind of know this already because, you know, you're just like your mom. Just like your mom. We've seen this before. And the most terrifying thing as a 30-something-year-old is when you realize, oh my gosh, I'm just like my mom. I love my mom half of the time. But there's this whole other script. There's this whole other way that's outside of our best it's far beyond our best. And so, so we've become sort of stiff-necked. We've, sort of, like, we've become animals that are just reacting to our instincts and we're just living out the patterns that we've always been told. We don't have eyes to see and ears to hear because we're just living in the physicality. We're just operating on what feels good or what, what we think is right in the moment or what we've been told all along. But Stephen's saying there's so much more that's been given to you that you can pull from to instruct your life. There's so much more than that. And I get it. This is hard. This is, it's not easy to move from here to here. But that's the invitation. And that's why he challenges them. You heard the law, but you haven't followed the law. You, you get it. You've heard the story, but you're not living into the story. And, and we have the same challenge as, as, as followers of Jesus. Some of us have heard Jesus and seen Jesus, but we're not following Jesus. We're not living with Jesus. We're not letting his script become our script. We still like the habits of our ancestors or the, the norms of our culture or the pick your thing, pick your Molech, pick your Raphim, pick your shiny star in the sky that Stephen here is pointing at. Pick whatever it is. None of it is God's best. Only Jesus is God's best. So why would we reject that? Why would we ever reject that? Is it because it costs too much? Stephen's about to lose his life for God's best. That means something. God is trying to provide a way for us to move from this resistance and this, this rebellion and this rejection to, to salvation, to life, to abundance, from, from, from dead idols to a living God. And it's, it's available just as it was to Moses. It's available to you. So Stephen calls the witnesses to the stand, right? That's what he's doing here. He calls Abraham, Moses, and Joseph, and David, and Solomon, and he says to you, and he says to the Sanhedrin, he says, hey, hey, here's the company I'm standing in right now. Here's the ones who dared to give it all up, to, to switch the script, to choose the new story like Eric talked about a few weeks ago. These guys were willing to go up the mountain. Receive the word and to bring it back. But for some reason, when, when Moses brought it back, you, you, you rejected it for a golden calf. 
So you're in the company of Joseph's, Joseph's condemning brothers. You're in the company of Israelite who rejected Moses. You're in the company of those that worship the calf. That's what, that's what Stephen's saying here to the Sanhedrin. He's saying, listen, that's you. That's your story. That's the script you're following because you're still doing it. You're still doing it. You're still missing God's best. You're still missing the thing that God has brought. And, it, and it's gone. the temple wasn't enough. If the temple was enough, then why did Jesus come? And the law wasn't enough. But if the law wasn't, wasn't enough, why did Jesus come? Because only Jesus was enough. So start saying yes to the story you've been given. Don't be stiff-necked people worshiping creation instead of the creator. Stop buckling down. And, and, and we have to be very careful here because, because we're all worshiping something. We are all choosing a script. We are all giving our attention to something. And if you want to know what that is, just look at your own life. What has your attention because the thing that has your attention is also the thing that's writing your story. It's telling you what to do. It's telling you how to live. So who has your attention? What has your attention? And, and, and careful. That's the message here. Because whatever has your attention might not be God. It might be something else now sort of added note here that I think we need to understand here is that this this issue of worshiping the temporal versus receiving the eternal Jesus comes to deal with it but he does care about the physical that's why he comes he comes in such a way that we can actually receive it he meets us on common ground. If, if, if he'd only met us at Mount Sinai, we'd be still in trouble. But he's come all the way down now, just like Moses brought the law down. He has come down to meet us on our terms in the flesh. And we get to choose what to do with that. Because Jesus teaches us how to live it out. And this issue of idols and, and the physicality and all that is dealt with by Jesus because Jesus does, he comes in the physical, but he comes through the virgin birth, through the spirit. And that's important because he's doing and reclaiming his, the things he's created with things we don't have access to yet. He's doing what we couldn't do on our own. It's the same reason why when he ascends, he takes his body with him. Because he knows better than to leave it behind. Because we would memorialize it and worship it. But he's telling us something. We don't go halfway, we go all the way with Jesus. That what he's offering us is far beyond whatever it is you can touch and feel right out here. It's so much more than that. That's part of it, and that's going with, but that's not the thing that you put your hope in. It's not, you can't put your hope in, in the body alone. And guys, we know this. I mean, I struggle with this. I confessed with our volunteers this morning as I was just 
my struggle. My struggle is I worship the body, the physical body. And what I mean by that is I'm living afraid of my own body's death. It's directing how I do all the things that I do because I'm so freaking concerned about what's going to happen to my body. It gets to have its way in my life. That part of me needs to be placed in the hands of Jesus because he's the one who made it, not me. There's nothing I could do with this body ever worthy of worshiping, ever worthy of my full devotion. Turns out I won't even be able to make this body live forever. Surprise, I know. But Jesus will, because he's the only one who has. He conquered death and took his body with him. And, and again, that's, that's modeling the issue of idols. Careful who we worship. And, 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 and seriously, like Jesus, I mean, just think about it. Really simply, Jesus didn't come and occupy any space that you made, ever. That's not what he did. He came and occupied all of creation and, is, and initiated new creation. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hands made all of these things? This is an issue of idols. God's reclaiming creativity itself. The role of worship. It's so important that we get it. We need more than faith in God, right? Because faith in God, right, that's how we... That's how, we help, that's how we get started moving from the physical dependencies. We go, okay, but we know there's something outside of that. It's God. We have to actually start trusting in God. The, the, the faith has to move to active trusting in God. Otherwise, all the departments of you are still going to wrestle. They're still going to fight until they learn to submit and surrender to the tangible. The Spirit of God. That's what this text comes to. That's the place, the person, that you have to begin to work with, with all your faculties. Or you can continue to worship the template of your ancestors. You can continue to live in the other story. Chasing Moloch and the like. That's a myth, and it's a tragedy. It's a pattern of behavior that sadly characterizes us too often. And it is pointing us somewhere. It is taking us somewhere. But I really don't think it's the place any of us want to go when we really think about it. My best dreams for me are not always the best place for me to go. And all you have to do is ask, do you like where you are? 
Do you like how the story's written itself so far? And maybe you do, and that's a beautiful thing. But my guess is that God's got a piece of that. Because knowingly or unknowingly, we've oriented our life around that thing. We need to know what that thing is. So who is, who is your God? Listen to your story. Notice your behaviors. Are you still wandering like the Israelites? Lost and rebellious, anchored in the unknown. Or are you ready to follow God's best that's been given to you so that you don't have to be in the wandering anymore? You can root yourself in the tangible. That's the invitation. To no longer reject, to no longer resist, but to finally receive Jesus himself available to each and every one of us. And I know it's hard but my promise to you is that he is so ready to walk this out with you in every facet of your life. There's not a part of your story that he doesn't want access to tell for you. And he wants to do it with you. If we really understood the depth and width of his affection and love for us, we'd have no interest no interests of any kind in all the other things, all the other idols, all the other golden calves, because none of those things will give us what only God can give us. And that's why we need heroes like Moses and Abraham and the like to point the way, people who aren't distracted by the distractions, who aren't interested in the other things. So they don't point to false idols. They point to Christ. And that's what Stephen's pointing to now before his own death. That's what he's foreshadowing already. Because he's living not his story, but that story. The story of communion. We're going to receive communion together, and we need to realize that as we do that, we're stepping into... God's best. Jesus, who's poured himself out for us, given his body for us to show us the way. And so as you come forward for communion with a few others around you or on your own, I want to encourage you to acknowledge and recognize that you're, you're stepping into something much greater than whatever it is you started with. And that thing that you've been invited into is something that you don't have to figure every piece out. Let God be king. Let him be Lord. Let his spirit enjoy the journey of discovering it together. Don't make sure it's going to work before diving in. That's not faith. So come to the table. Find somebody to pray with. 
This is the table not of the church, but of the Lord. It is to be made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who are struggling, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, each of you that has tried to follow, each of you that has failed, Jesus invites you to come because it's the Lord who invites you. It's his will, his desire that anyone that wants him can meet him right here today. Will we receive it?